Hi guys, how are you doing after last week's episode? Have you uh, stopped thinking about the case yet? Have you recovered? <laughs> I have not. I don't think we've stopped thinking about it, but it's been like five minutes. Yes, yeah, that's so. true. <laughs> um, welcome back to Midwest Madness. Um, I am Emily. And I'm Danielle. And this is a true crime cult conspiracy encrypted podcast. Yes. Um, Danielle's going to tell us a story this week. Serious is laying on my my mic cord so sorry if you hear a ruckus um hopefully it has a conclusion her face doesn't look very promising (laughs) yes but it's it's not what you're expecting oh great okay dun 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 okay perfect so as normal emily has no idea what i'm doing but i'm gonna give you do you think i'll guess it oh you're gonna know exactly what i'm talking about within within three clues oh great okay august like the month or Uh okay 2005 Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Oh. And a pair of shoes. Seriously. Yeah, buddy. Okay, this is fun. I'm, Tom's going to love Commissioner gonna, Thomas Pru is going to love this gonna one. He's going to love this one because we are doing the story of Dorothy's stolen ruby red slippers. From the Wizard of Oz. Yes. I'm so excited. This is a fun one. I'm super excited. Good idea. I for sure thought this was only going to be like a, a mini. mini because I was like, well, they've, you know, concluded it. Like if, if you don't know, they found the shoes. But how they get there is a wild ride. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah. So I'm, I'm super pumped. Um, I was telling Emily earlier, I was like, yeah, I, th- I thought it was only going to be a mini. And then I just kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper. I like, I was up until like three in the morning doing research on this one because I was like, I can't stop. I can't stop. I'm so tired, but I can't stop. Yeah. So here we go. So, um, Dorothy's ruby red slippers, there were only five pairs of the shoes made for the classic movie, The Wizard of Oz. Um, they were white pumps that were actually painted and dyed red, and then hundreds of sequins were sewn onto the shoes. After that was done, they added the bows of stiff, made of stiff, stiff cotton, goodness gracious, um, and then they were adorned with three different types of faux red gems a thin tubular um, bead, and then um, some rectangular beads and some rhinestones. Wow. So, like, these were handmade shoes. So they're obviously very, very valuable. Um, We have always known where four pairs of the shoes were, um, and I'm going to do a quick history of those. So... um, before 2011, um, Debbie Reynolds, the actor and mother of um, oh. Princess Leia, Carrie right, Fisher, right, right, right. she owned a pair, um, and they they tried to name a good number of these shoes because it's easier to keep track of which are which are which if oh, you name right, them. Right. So hers were called the Arabian Test Slippers. Um, they were super highly decorated, more highly decorated than the basic pair. Okay. Um, and they were never on film. So that's, they, what? That's the pair I wouldn't want. Yeah. Well, but they sound like they're, they're absolutely stunning. Right. But Judy never wore them. I think she probably still did because they were test shoes. They do test filming all the time. I guess. I guess. Um, so... Oh, I also forgot to mention, sorry, that um, some of the shoes had felt on the bottom to muffle the noise of the shoes when Judy was wearing them as she danced. That sounds slippery. Right? (laughs) (laughs) 
So, but it was just because there's so much dancing and the yellow brick road, I'm sure, was not quiet. Right. So they put this felt on the bottom of them. So that's another way you can tell if the shoes are real or not. Cool. Is by the felt. So I mentioned that that was, that Debbie Reynolds owned these prior to um, 2011. That's because in 2011, they were auctioned off for $627,300. Dang. Yeah. Um... Warner, um, a, actually, what's his first name? Shoot. Um, so there's this man named Warner. That's his last name. I thought I put his first name in here. Um, he's the one that actually like found all these shoes. Um, Kent, that's what it is. Kent Warner. And he kept a pair for himself, obviously, because why wouldn't you? Um, so he like tracked the shoes down. Yeah. Basically. So I'm going to get into it okay. in a little bit, but I'll kind of explain what's up. So Kent Warner had another pair. These were called the witch's shoes. They were used in the close-up. When she gets squashed in yeah, the yeah, house. When, yeah, when the witch gets squashed. <laughs> so those are called the witch, witch's shoes. When Dorothy's house falls on the Wicked Witch of the East. Ding dong, the witch's did. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> Um, so this pair, um, is actually owned by Leonardo DiCaprio and some other Hollywood investors. Really? Yes. And they have them on display at the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences in Los Angeles. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So he and a bunch of investors like bought them together specifically for that purpose. Okay. Like they, that's where they wanted them to go. Um, Two California investor or collectors bought another pair in 2004, $666,000. Yeah. No. 666,000. $660,000. Yes. Thank you. Whatever. <laughs> um, I forgot to ask mom that one. Um, they have not been seen since and it's rumored that they're hidden in a bank vault. So why you want to even own them for that much money is kind of beyond me. Then it's just two California investors. Yeah. We don't know who they are. We don't know anything about them. They're just like these collectors in California. Okay. Which like, why? So in a hundred years, they can take them out and be like, voila. (laughs) When they're both dead. (laughs) Okay. 20, 50 years. Yeah. Um, so the fourth pair are at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. I knew that one. Yep. And they have been doing some tests on those ones because, um, her shoes are actually starting to lose their red color. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out how to save the color on the sequence so that they can continue to be enjoyed. Right. Um, and then the final pair are owned by Michael Shaw, who was a friend of Warner Kent or Kent Warner. Sorry. And he bought them in the late 1960s when Warner found the shoes. Shaw bought the shoes along with some other memorabilia for a whopping $2,500. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a bargain. Um, he would show the shoes at different festivals for a fee, like different Wizard of Oz festivals. Oh, right. Smart. Um, yeah, for a fee. And so these shoes um, earned the name The Traveling Shoes. Okay. I mean, these shoes are iconic. Mm-hmm. And so... The reason that Shaw got them for so cheap... Because they're friends, right? No, it's because Hollywood did not realize the value of props from these classic movies. Oh. So, like, they often would just, like, throw away full costumes. Yikes. So, like, um, 
on Disney Plus, there's this show called Prop Culture. Oh. Super interesting. So if you find this fascinating, definitely go watch it. But he like goes to all these different people and sees like props from different classic Disney movies like Mary Poppins and <gasps> Fun. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Um but in the Mary Poppins episode, he he has the full costume except for the talking umbrella. Mm. And he's like, they don't, no one knows where it is. Oh, gee. So it could have gotten thrown away. It could have been dismantled to be reused as something else. That's like, just a Because shame. Hollywood just didn't see the value in keeping these artifacts in good condition. Interesting. So um, a lot of times there, so around in the 1960s, there was this like a little black market for props and costumes that was happening in Hollywood because people understood the value of things when Hollywood didn't. Right. Um, a lot of times Hollywood would off also reuse costumes and props because they didn't realize the value of them. Um, so I think like from The Sound of Music, that wedding dress. Yeah. I think that was reused in a couple of things and like taken apart and which is like such a shame because again, another fantastic, incredible classic movie is The Sound of Music. Um who played that that's julie andrews too yeah so what the heck is up with julie andrews I just, costumes just being dismantled <laughs> well i i just love julie andrews so those were the two that i remember they like talk about stuff from the muppets movie and from tron and from all this other hopefully her queen of genovia costumes aren't dismantled oh i would hope not <laughs> she's she's a queen she's for real queen. i love her so much yeah so that's why um he got so much stuff for so little money is because it wasn't valuable then. Okay. Not like it is now. Um, so I even wrote in here, costumes were literally being thrown away. Um, Kent Warner actually found the entire costume from Robin Hood in the trash, like literally in the trash. So um, people like him were doing really a great service, um, saving these things from being thrown out. So, um, when the shoes went to Grand Rapids, the first time was actually in 1989. And this the- is Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Yes, ma'am. Sorry. Just for people who don't know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the reason they're going to Grand Rapids, Minnesota, which is roughly a three and a half hour drive. Three to four, yeah. From the Twin Cities, um, is because that's where Judy Garland was born and spent the first three years of her life. Yeah. Was in Grand Rapids. Um, I don't think I mentioned that, which is my bad. Um, so the first time the shoe, the traveling shoes went to Grand Rapids was in 1989 for the 50th anniversary of the Wizard of Oz. They were there. Everything was fine. No big deal. The second time was in 2005. The Judy Garland Museum got them back for two months. Um, and their owner Shaw actually flew into Minneapolis St. Paul airport with them and stopped at a library in the cities to do a little press about the shoes being back in Minnesota. So, basically alerting anybody in the area that the shoes were going to be in this tiny little town and by then they are worth a lot more money oh yeah they're worth a ton of money um because like i said in 2000 it was you know that's 600 and 666,000 i'm pretty sure is how you say it yeah um and that was only five years before right so you know they're they're worth if not that much if not more yep exactly um so 
the museum did not or did want to have the shoes go into a um, bank vault that they would rent out from the bank, like a traveling oh, vault. Okay. Um, so like a really really good safe, but from a bank. Um, at night, but Shaw said that he didn't want other people handling the shoes because of how fragile and old they were. Because the yeah, I can under. I mean, it's part a bu- of me understands that, but another part of me is like, mm. mm-hmm. exactly. It's Grand Rapids. Like, I don't think this museum you have the shoes at has the best security. Well, Shaw also said that he believed that the shoes would be kept under much tighter security than they were. And I'm sure you'll get into the security that was there. Well, here here's what where the shoes were sitting basically it was a shoes on a wooden pedestal under a plexiglass box behind a velvet rope that was it was the box locked nope oh okay nope just just sitting on top i think it was like attached on top but like plexiglass is breakable and Mm -hmm. there was no security system on the shoes specifically it was just like on the building right so on august 27th 2005 kathy johnson was the only staff at the judy garland museum she closed up set the alarm and went home she was then the first one back the next morning just before 10 a.m could you imagine the stomach ache this woman had when she walked in so when she got there the first weird thing she noticed was that the alarm said auxiliary which was a setting she'd never seen before so she like put the code in to like turn it off and then turn the, the alarm back on and turned it off again a couple of times until it reset itself and went back to normal. Okay. So then Kathy goes through the museum, turning on the lights as she goes. In one of the hallways, there's this weird breeze and she's like, what in the world? Why is there a breeze here? There should not be a breeze. She then saw the emergency door had been smashed open. She rushed to the room where the shoes were being held and it was empty there was just an empty smashed plexiglass box on the pedestal so did they come through the emergency exit yes and they like battery ram the door how did they get the door open it just looks like it sounded like they just smashed the glass was it glass mm-hmm. oh, like they so it was like a wooden door with like a glass window in oh, okay. it and it sounds like they just smashed the glass window which i'm sure had that like security yeah, wire yeah, in yeah. it but like if you're determined enough you're gonna get in right you know um so she called the museum director named john kelsch and i think that's how you say his last name so sorry if it's not and all she said was quote they're gone end quote and he said he knew exactly what she was talking about can you imagine no like just that feeling in the pit of your stomach of oh my god like what do you do at that moment oh and and then kent knew that he or not kent sorry um john kelsch had to be the one that calls Mm -hmm. the owner of the shoes and says they're gone like um um, do they know how they got past the alarm um i think i talk about that in a second okay cool so um because i i do know yeah i do okay so um the police were called and since grand rapid is grand rapids minnesota is a small town it's not like a huge police force they only had one investigator in the whole entire police force um and so they came in and it said that the alarm didn't send the signal when the back door was opened and smashed open because they'd been having with issues with kids messing with the doors 
So they turned the alarm off during the day and thought that the alarm would re-engage when the system was turned on, but it didn't. Mm. So basically... Do you think someone knew that then? I don't know. Or do you... Because that makes it seem like you're going to... I mean, I guess they could have just like had a plan to work fast but in the article that so i got 90 percent again of my information from one really well written article Uh and in it i don't know if i put it in my notes but in it um john said that it would have been a minute job you would have walked in you would have smashed the glass you would have walked back so they absolutely could have done that before Mm -hmm. yep cops got there or anything even if the alarm was working yeah. yeah yep so i mean could be an inside job that somebody knew mm-hmm. could also have been well especially because everybody just assumed that when they set that it alarm came back on yeah that the system was working again. yeah um okay so the police took pictures tried to get prints off of any of the broken glass but were unsuccessful um there was also a single red sequin left on the scene it was Ugh put i know isn't that kind of heartbreaking (laughs) just like one red sequin of these iconic shoes i'd also be pissed that a sequins fell off right be more careful damn um it was put into an envelope and then kept under lock and key at the grand rapids police department at one the one sequence yeah yeah so this one sequence had better security than the freaking shoes did (laughs) yeah um, at 1.44 p.m., Grand Rapids Police Department put a bolo no. out on the ruby red slippers. Amazing. How funny would that have been if you were a cop and you, like, get this bolo for Dorothy's shoes? You're like, and you're what like, the what fuck? is happening? <laughs> is this for real? Um, and, of course, there are a ton of rumors immediately. Um, the first was that the shoes had been stolen by a group of known troublemakers who had panicked and threw the shoes into the Mississippi River that's the thing it's like these people could have been anywhere mm-hmm. they could have been anyone like yeah you drive into a small town like that late at night you're gonna see a car maybe yeah, yeah. and the chance of that being the cops is like pretty high like grand rapids is in the middle of nowhere it for really people to know yeah it like, really is it's not that far of a drive from to canada like that's about halfway from the cities to canada i would but say you could have easily gotten to canada oh for sure by or, morning more or than wisconsin or michigan or the dakotas yeah it's i mean you yeah there's there's a lot of places you could go from grand a lot of places you can hide absolutely because it's a lot of woods yeah so the second r- big rumor that went around was that it was a group of teenagers that had taken them and when they realized what a big deal it was they burned them to hide the evidence no i don't see that which would just make me sick yeah um the final assumption was that someone had taken them or final big rumor was that someone had taken them sealed them in a paint can and thrown them into one of the many 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 lakes in northern minnesota yeah i remember hearing that one yeah we watched um an episode of expedition unknown when they were looking for the ruby red slippers and they had like a specialized dive team that like went and searched and they ended up actually finding a paint okay. can and everyone started freaking out of course and it they opened it and it was just full of rocks and it was like the middle of winter too yeah, so they were like burning through this ice for these divers to dive Ugh. into these lakes yeah it crazy sounded terrible but, but that, it, that wasn't that long ago was it um i'm sure you're gonna talk about it i think it was like 2000 2017 i think yeah it was like 
I wouldn't say more than four years ago. Yeah, we get there. Um, okay, so those were all the rumors, the big ones that were going on. Um, since it was such an evidenceless case, people started saying that it was an inside job, like mm-hmm. you said, um, implicating both Shaw, the owner of the shoes, for um, insurance fraud, mm-hmm, and John Kelch, the owner of the whatchamacallit the, or not the owner the director of the museum and i don't know why people were accusing him because he wouldn't have gained anything so unless shaw paid him off yeah but and so um in 2007 I S- can i just say though really quick i don't see that because i feel like he was making so much money off of these shoes yeah probably more than he would have made in an insurance claim well, and he's in the episode of Expedition Unknown, and, like, he seems so heartbroken about having lost these shoes that I can't imagine him being involved. Yeah. Um, so, in 2007, Essex Insurance Company paid Shaw uh, $800,000 and offered a $200,000 reward for getting the shoes back. So he did get a payout. Yes, he did. That was two years after? Two years after it went, the shoes went missing. And they interviewed him a bunch of times and so did the police. And they were like, finally fine with paying him this money. So in 2010, they had what seemed like a break in the case. Um, a new investigator was on the case. His name was Andy Morgan. And he would get literally tons of calls every week about the shoes. Um, he said it was usually easy to dismiss the fakes, but in 2010, they got a picture of shoes from someone in Chicago that thought they were the real slippers. So they were so confident in the, the these pictures and these shoes being legit that Morgan actually flew out to Chicago to help s- serve the search warrant for the shoes. Um, they unfortunately turned out to be a really well-done replica that a 20-something-year-old guy had embellished the truth about to impress his friends. Idiot. So he was telling his friends, like, oh, yeah, I have the slippers, I have the slippers, and they they were just a really well-done pair of fakes. And actually, apparently, that's something that people do, is they, like, create these fakes, and, like, they find the exact same shoes that were used, like, in a vintage store, and they hand-paint them, and they hand-sequence them, and they hand, you know... Like, even putting in, like, the lettering and, like, Judy Garland is written in the shoes. Mm -hmm. And so they, like, even copy that. And so it's, like, it's a thing that people do and they take hundreds of hours. I don't have that much time on my hands. No. Um, Or that much patience to complete a project. Right. Um, So after 12 years of nothing, police start wondering if the reason there hasn't been a word spoken about the shoes is because the people who had them were part of the mob. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Then we got the mob involved. Yeah. So in 2017, a caller told the new investigator, Brian Matson, um, or he called this new guy calls, and he calls himself the middleman. <laughs> um, and he said that he knew where the shoes were, that he hadn't stolen them, but was part of an effort to get them back to their original owner. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so middleman came from a southern state, but wouldn't ex- say exactly where. Madsen asked for a proof of life photo oh my God. of the shoes and soon received a photo from a cell phone that had metadata still in it showing exactly where the photo had come from. Idiot. So um, the middleman is not smart. Well, and Madsen did not mention this to literally anybody. Like he kept it to himself. He didn't mention it to anyone except for I'm assuming his captain. Was he actually in the south? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So, um, this is when Expedition Unknown, hosted by Josh Gates, reached out and asked to do an episode on the Ruby Red Slippers. Matson agreed, and Josh brought along a specialist who had seen other pairs of the shoes. Okay. Like the real ones more than once. And his name was Joe Maddalena, I believe. I really should have watched the episode again. I watched it again. So I could hear how to say last names. Yeah. Um, but Matson showed Joe the picture. He showed both of them the picture of the shoes that he'd gotten from the middleman. Right. And they were like, yeah, these are the shoes. Really? Joe was like, yeah, these are the missing, the missing traveling shoes. They could tell that just from a picture? Yeah, because like... Like I said, there, you know, Judy Garland's name was written in a very specific spot on the shoes and the soles were a certain way and the bows were done a certain way and the stitching was done and like they were hand done. So like, it's really hard to fake that exact thing. Okay. If they're not the real shoes. Okay. So he was like, you know, I'm not hundred percent sure, but like I'm 99% sure they're the right shoes. I don't remember this from the episode. We'll get to it. Okay. Did they not air it? <laughs> we'll get to it. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. So, um, after a couple of months of talking with the middleman, um, or his Minnesota-based lawyer, um, so the middleman had a lawyer. The middleman retained a lawyer that was in the Twin Cities because he was like, "I don't want to get fingered for this. I don't want to get in trouble for like all I'm trying to do is get these shoes back to the right person." Okay, then just give them back. So, anyways, um. There was a hurricane going towards Florida, and when Matson mentioned this, and I just love this, the lawyer said, don't, wor- don't worry, those shoes aren't getting wet. <laughs> so implicating that the shoes were not in Florida. Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Narrow it down, can check Florida <laughs> off the list. But, but then the two suddenly go dark. They the lawyer s- and the middleman? Mm-hmm. Yep, they stop talking to the police. Okay. So that is when Matson called in the FBI. There is an agent that he'd previously met and trusted named Christopher Sean Dudley, and he goes by Sean. Okay. Um, in on July 9th, 2018, Matson headed down to the Twin Cities, an approximately four-hour drive, to meet with the FBI and the Minnesota lawyer. Now, the Minnesota lawyer did not know he was dealing with the FBI anymore. No, you mean at all? Yeah, he had no idea. Not anymore, just like, like in general. Yeah, he didn't. He knew he had been talking to the police before, right? But he didn't know that the FBI was not the police. Like, How who did was taking over the case? They get him to start talking again. Were they like, you I, don't have a choice at this point? I don't know. Okay, I don't know because like Maybe. legally he has client privilege. You know, like unless he's not. Yeah, I guess I don't know because even reporters have source client or source protection, like where they don't have to tell the police who their sources are. Right. So. Um, on July 10th, they went to a local coffee shop where the lawyer had agreed to meet them. And he was, again, unaware that he was talking with law enforcement. I wonder what coffee shop. I know. I was thinking that too. Um, but he showed up. He had a brown paper bag with him. Matson estimates that there were around 100 agents involved in the case in both Minnesota and Florida where they knew that the middleman was. Oh, so they knew he was in Florida. Middleman is definitely in Florida. So they lied about the shoes not getting wet? Oh, or the shoes, shoes may not in, have been maybe the shoes were in minnesota at mm-hmm. that point or something yep okay so um after getting his coffee the lawyer put the paper di- bag on a table and walked away were the shoes in the bag so matson was like should i go get them and the fbi was, FBI was like 
no don't grab the bag just leave it we're still Could gonna try bomb. we're just still kidding. gonna try and meet with them like just let the plan play out if we need to we'll go in and get them and so um they they go through with their like little meeting with the lawyer and they get the bag and they head back to fbi headquarters in i believe in minneapolis one of the agents in the car asked Madsen if he was excited, and Madsen said, quote, I told him I'd been here before, and I'd be excited when I actually saw them. Did, it, did they quote. open the bag at this point? Not yet. Okay. Um, they returned to FBI headquarters, and a hush came over the room, and I'm, I'm going to take this next part from the article I read. So, quote, when the agents brought out the slippers, Madsen said, felt overwhelmed. There was no doubt in his mind that they were real. Quote, you just felt it, end quote, he says. Everyone I talk to has that has had direct contact with the original ruby red slippers says the same thing. They truly emit a special aura. Um, we still didn't know. We end quote. Sorry. So to this day, we don't know where these shoes were. Do we know who the mailman is? No. We still don't know who had the slippers. FBI and police likely know more than they're sharing at this time, but some police. Some people believe that we will never know all of the shoes' secrets. So, like, they don't know who took them? They Correct. They don't know anything? Correct. That's annoying. They might. The police might. But, but we, we don't. the public, do not. And believe me, I have looked. Because our sister Allie has a really good theory. Oh, she does? Yes. Did you talk to her about this? We've talked about it before. And okay. I just remember her theory because I was like, oh, my God. Um, But so... They end up bringing the shoes to the Smithsonian, and um, the Smithsonian authenticated that the shoes are legitimate, and one of the really interesting interesting things about this is that the traveling shoes and the Smithsonian shoes are from the same pair. So the Smithsonian has one right foot from one set of shoes, and a left foot from the other set of shoes. Interesting. And the traveling pair have the opposite. Okay. So they're two mismatched pairs. Gotcha. Because it would be really hard to like, they all look exactly the same. Right. So it would be pretty easy, especially if you didn't know they're like numbered. Yeah. To mix them up. Um, so um, the FBI as of 2018, when my article that I used was written, um, we're still looking for more people that were involved in the initial theft as well as any extortion that might have happened in 2016 when they were trying to get their shoes returned um they have asked that if people know anything to call 1-800-CALL-FBI which is 1-800-225-5324 fun fact about the expedition unknown stuff so the original episode aired on the same day that Matson and the FBI recovered the shoes interesting so while everyone is learning about this big mystery of these missing shoes, they've been found. How long after the episode did we find out they were found? I don't know for sure. Because I don't know when it aired. Okay. So the other interesting thing is you said you didn't remember something happening in the episode, right? Yeah. So if you go back on Discovery, they have an extended version. Oh. Where... Josh and Joe, the two, the expert that Josh brings in, they fly out to um, the owner of the shoes, um, Shaw. Shaw, thank you. And they're like, he doesn't know they've been found yet. 
and Josh and Joe get to tell him that the shoes have been found and he bursts into tears he's like are you sure are you sure are you sure they're them and they're like yeah we're sure they're them we're positive and did he get his shoes back so he i don't know if he bought them back but he does have first claim to buy the shoes back from the insurance company so because he because they got the payout payout. Mm -hmm. technically essex insurance company owns Owns them. them but he has first dibs and from what it sounded like in 2018 he and the insurance company were in Talks. some sort of talks to get the shoes he was back like i'll give you two thousand dollars <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't think that's gonna work so Allie's really interesting theory is that um the person that had them was prince because prince died april 21st 2016 and the first time that middleman reaches out is 2017 that'd be sweet (coughs) yeah but i feel like prince could get his own pair if he really wanted to well maybe that's how he got them though is like someone stole them and then reached out good guy though maybe he thought he was protecting them i don't know but that's just i mean it's a good theory that was Allie's theory and i was like oh my god that'd be so interesting because he was such an eclectic dude like who knows he probably wore those things around (laughs) he had tiny little feet he did i think they're like size five and a half though do you They're think really that um, the Grand Rapids Police Department brought that sequence to the Smithsonian and they reunited it with its owners? Um, part of the testing that was done to make sure that the shoes were the right shoes was with that sequence. Interesting. So they, they kept had turned it, that it over. Whole time. Yep, they had turned it over to the FBI. Oh, cool. Um, and I only had two sources because the the first source was so well written that I like really didn't need a lot of help. Yeah. Um, and that was a Washington Post article um, called The Case of Dorothy's Stolen uh, Ruby Red Slippers. And I want to see if I can find who it was written by really quick. Elizabeth Evitz Dickinson. And okay. she did such a phenomenal job. Way to go, Elizabeth. Yeah, and that, her article was actually written in 2019. <coughs> Sorry, I don't know why choking. I'm coughing so much all of a sudden. So that's that's my my main source and then the other one was fbi.gov i'm a little annoyed because i want to know what happened and who had them and i want someone to be held accountable yes me too and not necessarily middleman because like middleman feels like they were trying to do the right thing to me or was like middleman the guy who just actually had them i don't think so no no i don't think so why was he so like weird about getting them back though just like give them back well I mean, depending on who had them, it could have been a really dangerous thing for him to be doing. If it was the mob, you don't go against the mob without getting in trouble. Why would the mob want ruby red slippers? Why Why does the mob want anything that the mob wants? I don't know. <laughs> Not part of the mob. Exactly. So we don't know. That was good. I liked that. Thank you. It was definitely um, different. And it, we can actually say it was a good one and not feel bad. Yeah, very. Because no one died. Very uh, good after the last couple couple yeah <laughs> literally it, yeah and i just like i said i i wanted to do a mini and then i just kept Fine. reading and yeah. i was like oh my god you can't make this a mini true so there we go cool well um i hope you guys enjoyed social media's midwest madness group on facebook yep mw madness 
podcast on yeah Instagram. buddy i'm so proud and instagram and gmail yeah i'm so proud of you you um, got it right thank you <laughs> um please reach out to us um if any like of you is... guys know anything else that i didn't cover in in this about the slippers please let me know because like i would love to know where they were what are your theories you know, yeah. not you necessarily. Oh, sorry. I, like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I meant the listeners. This is weird because they're not going to hear this episode for like three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. Because we're recording early. I'm, I'm really, I was going to do a different story and then I was like, no, I'm too excited about the Ruby Red Slippers. I got to do this first. Cool. So I actually have two, two written. So <sighs> lucky. Well. All right, guys. Well, we will talk to you next Tuesday, and we hope you have a great rest of your week. All right. Bye.